Have you ever used one thing to get a completely different thing? Um, it used people. I mean, we use people all the time, right? The TNA podcast to get no, uh, you, this podcast to get the TNA podcast. <laughs> TNA podcast, you threw up and like, I, mm. I don't know what happened there. I think we just jumped on it for whatever reason. Right. We should probably get back on that. What do you think? Yeah, eventually. And then I can figure out to use that to get out of this one. Oh, you're not enjoying the Rumble anymore? <laughs> uh, of course I am. Has it taken, like, your favorite match of all time and made it a um, Fucking horrible, this yeah. horrible chore? Yeah. I'm sorry that's happened. Yeah. I mean, there's we still – look, we're only in 1994. We still have a good, like, 30 years of Rumbles to get through. Oh, is that it? Because it's funny. Actually, it's funny because I've been thinking, like – it feels like, oh, already in 94, we're almost there. <laughs> I mean, like, kind of because we've done so many now, but the truth is we're not even really close. Oh, uh, no, no, not at all. Like, look, we're closing in on um, talking about 100 different guys. Right. Like, after tonight, we're going to be at 93. So, I, I don't know what the number is of guys that have been in the Rumble, but I gotta, I'm gotta. i going to go out on a limb and say it's over 400. Uh, yeah, I would think as we go, I got to think like the newer ones are going to be less work. Uh, they made me more work in that there's like more for each guy, but I think there'll be less guys because everyone sticks around so friggin' many years. Like, yeah, like they're all going to be like one guy episodes. Right. Like Dolph Ziggler is probably going to have like 11 rumbles or whatever. That's that's exactly (laughs) who I was thinking about. But he's in every one, right? So it's like, there's only so many spots. So I'm starting to think at some point the bulk of guys will will take up like 20 of the 30 spots for like most of the 2000s or something, you know? Yeah. Um, Charles Bigler, so. Kofi Kingston. Right. Rollins, Rain. You know, guys like that are going to be in a ton of them. So we're going to – individual episodes are going to go longer, and I think we'll have less of like these one-offs like tonight where we only have like a few, you know? Yeah, and then we have to eventually – I mean, we don't have to decide this right now, but we're doing the women too, right? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. we are. Yeah, so then that's like a whole other crop of like a hundred people. You think there's been a hundred women in a in a Royal Rumble at this point? No. Well, how many have there been? Um, 18, 19, 20, 21. There's been five. So five times thirty would be what? Uh, one fifty. Okay, but there's a lot of carryover, so. Yeah. But there might be like seventy-five-ish, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a fair assumption. Yeah, so look, we're like maybe a fifth of the way done. Right. Oh, fun. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where we catch up with the current Rumbles? No. No, we're going to... Well, I mean, maybe someday. I just don't think that's going to be anytime soon. No, I'm not saying it's going to be soon. Maybe Rumble 2028 or something will be be right on. Finally, we finished it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Let's get to it. Now entering the Royal Rumble.
the man I'm selling WWE to, Double J, Jeff Chan. Now, is that, is that J-E-double-F? J-A-double-R, ha-ha, E-double-T? This guy, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this guy is a dream participant in this thing. Oh, I loved him. I know. <laughs> he might be my favorite guy we've covered. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. When I looked at those numbers, those tallies, and even the one that's kind of long, like this from Shanigans, and not really, you know, it was just, it was just yep. nice. It was just nice. I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I... And and I couldn't believe it for a guy that was this prominently pushed for mm-hmm. so long. Well, I think this part of it is he's always in some kind of angle. You know what I mean? Like something's going on. So, uh, and then one of them he's a super late, and we know how that goes. We've talked about it ad nauseum. When you're coming toward the end, you're not going to be in very long most yeah. of the time. So, uh, I feel like this we've you and I have become a Jeff Jarrett appreciation tandem. We've uh, through through the aforementioned TNA never dies. I, I feel like. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it was just like, you know, was it Munchausen syndrome or whatever when you start to, uh, <laughs> like your captor, <laughs> but it felt like that maybe, but, um, I feel like we gained an appreciation for him through that and, uh, here as well. And of course, he's also, uh, we're on the doorstep or on Wrestling Warzone. Chad and I were at Jeff Jarrett's entering WCW, so we'll see how we feel with him there, but, uh, yeah, I feel like old Double J has uh, strutted his way into a decent little spot in our hearts. And as future owner of WWE, <laughs> we should probably show him some respect. I'm going to keep saying it on these podcasts, and then someday it's just going to be true. And then you will have interviewed the owner of WWE. That's true. Only because Kevin Kelly didn't want to talk to him. That's why. <laughs> why? <laughs> it's funny because everything I hear about the dude, he's like this nicest man, too. Oh, he was so nice when I talked to him. Well, I don't know. Kevin, just whatever reason, didn't, didn't want to talk to him. I, I think it was because – so it was right when Global Force was starting, uh-huh. and Kevin wanted to get Ross on. And so I think we wrote to him, and Jarrett was like, yeah, I'll do it. And Kevin's like, no, I just want JR. I don't want Jarrett. And I think it was because he was doing the same loop – he was doing like a million podcasts only to talk about Global Force, um, oh. which is why I was super proud of that episode with me and Scott. If you look back at the Place to Be podcast archives, like we talked Global Force a little bit, and then I got him off on these insane tangents about like the mid nineties WF, <laughs> like like all this nonsense that I feel like he actually opened up and like went off course for a while on it. Mm. Um, and I even stumped him for a minute because I I reminded him of. When he first does these vignettes, and we'll get right to it because it's right before this, mm-hmm. in late 93 when he's coming in, he had this guy with him uh, named R.P. Lee, and he was like this little fat guy, and he was only in the vignettes. He was never on air. He was just in the vignettes, and I said it, and Jeff Jarrett corrected me immediately. He goes, no, that's Tennessee Lee. That's Jimmy Gold or whatever. I'm like, no, no, it's not Tennessee Lee. I'm like, it was R.P. Lee, and then he remembered. It was like, so I can't remember the freaking guy's name now. He was a manager of Memphis or whatever that came with him and he was like dying when he remembered it and I was so proud of myself <laughs> that I kind of stumped him and then he remembered it and I popped him so um anyway there you go he strikes me as a guy like he's got such a crazy he's got he might have the craziest career of any professional wrestler mm. like all the ups and downs the weirdness and like it's funny because you just mentioned that you're about to hit him on wrestling Warzone. he's about mm-hmm. to come into WCW but it's not even his only like defection to WCW in that war. Right. 
Like he comes back later too. I I guess. But I remember liking the '96 uh, Jarrett run at the time. Yeah, he does that whole thing where he spurns the NWO and he's kind of teasing if he's a horseman or not, and then him and Mongo team, and then it's like the whole weird thing where Deborah ends up with him, and then she like eventually just shows up at DODF with him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> odd. Um, a little bit later, but. But it's like he was a face, and I'd never seen him as a face. And I thought he was good as a face. I I I actually think I think he was not ever utilized right in the major promotions as a heel. I'm oh. with you. Like we really have liked this face stuff in TNA. Yeah. And I know he was like a really good face at Memphis. And like you're saying, in this WCW run, he's good too. I think Jody have missed the boat not using him at least one one stretch for a face somewhere in there. Mike I think he just got so good in the 99 run that that was it, you know? Yeah. Uh, he was good in the 99 run. Uh, less so in WCW, but um, definitely in WWF. I, it's just, I found his offense was made no sense for a, a heel heavyweight. Right. Okay. But as a plucky face, I think it would have made perfect sense. And like, you know, I, I mean, I, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but like when he started his podcast, I listened to it at first. And he's like the most likable person. It's weird that we hated him forever. Yeah, I think it's just something where the character overtook the person, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't watching TNA Live at the time. Like, right. So, like, when I kept hearing, oh, he won again. He's a champion. Right, right, again. right. He had a bad rap that he was dominating the promotion. And, I, look, I don't think it's wrong. Like, I think as we watch, we'll see it if we pick it back up. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there's a stretch from like now it's like oh five oh six where yes he is inserting himself quite a bit, but it's still it's still better like TNA with him on top is way better than WCW with him on top, right? It's like he was not I don't think he was a big enough star to to be the WCW World Champion when he was right, but then again who else? Is yeah, that? but it was it was tough because it was also at that time that a lot of fans were really pushing for, like, you know, quote-unquote youth movement, new fresh faces. They had kind of missed the boat, um, like the Benoit group that all left. Jericho was gone. So it's like by the time they finally committed to trying new things, it was like Steiner and Booker and Jarrett were like the three guys there, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous he was WCW champion before Steiner. Right. I think they just rewarded him for the jump, jumping again. They wanted to reward him. Hey, bud, thanks. thanks yeah, back. I think it was kind of like that. Like, they made it – it was like someone jumping that late in the run, you know, when the tide had pretty much turned. Right. You know, he leaves ODF and shows up almost immediately there. I think it was like yeah, – and he was Boys of Russo, which is obviously – that's a big part of it. And the, and the Harrises. Don't forget them. Ugh. So five years before that, we're at the 1994 Royal Rumble, and this is his this this is his pay per view debut, right? Yeah, he had showed up. I want to say fall ish, like October November. I think is when he started popping up on t- like house shows and TV and stuff. But this is his first pay per view, and it's not. And the Rumble appearance isn't his first appearance on the pay per view. Correct. He was in the sh- on the show earlier. To help murder the Undertaker, yes. jumping off the top rope like he, <laughs> yeah. he had to have been the least credible guy involved in that beatdown. Yes, 
Like everyone else is this big, like it's Bam Bam Bigelow and Diesel and the, and like, you know, all these tough guys. And then this fucking guy decked out in red and white with a headband. Mm-hmm. But it is quite the headband. And he wears it back to the Rumble when he comes in at number 12. Yeah, he does come in at number 12. And uh, he's freshly arrived, like you said. He goes right at Macho Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, pulls him off a diesel and then has a good flurry. He pours it on. He gets a little middle, middle rope fist drop that you just talked about. Uh, DiBiase says Jarrett's giving, uh, making a mistake because he gave Diesel time to recover while posing. Uh, Jarrett then chucks Savage and he thinks he's out and he turns his back. Savage holds on, comes back in and throws him out and DiBiase yeah. shits on him for being cocky. So, I mean, it was a really quick spurt and I thought the shine looked okay, but DiBiase kind of buried him. Because well, uh, he kept strutting. Yes. I think like he looked he over did. his skis for this kind of match. Yeah. He, like, he drop kicked, then he struts. Then he does a jumping punch, then he struts. He's constantly yelling, double J, baby! Ha ha! Ha ha! And then, like he said, he tosses Savage, and he struts, and gets the knee in the back. And DiBiase is like, like you said, he's all over him, which I, which I loved. I actually really liked him being all over him for that. I also love Vince struggling to... um to explain his character motivation. That's always my favorite part of these double J things when Vince has to explain Jeff Jarrett is trying to use the WWF to make it into country music. Not understanding that like stepping stone. Yeah. But no no one makes like three people have made that jump ever like from wrestling to something else. You don't think, well, how about country music though? Wrestling's not respected. Are we respected? Not even in the country music genre? Well, TNA was, because they got Toby Keith. They did. Yeah, WWF's not getting Toby Keith. Well, with My Baby Tonight, I mean, that charted, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Then again, (laughs) they did get Willie Nelson. Speaking of that, too, on Wrestling Warzone, every other Thursday, uh, Chad and I are on that. Hitting that piece of business with the real Double J, (laughs) where they exposed Jeff Jarrett. For not having sung with my baby tonight. I actually think that Bruce Pritchard making such a big deal about that song led to the Double J resurgence, like in the late 2010s. Uh, Yeah, I think that could be definitely be possible. Which is insane, because that was probably the hottest era of his podcast. And, like, it was nonstop with that song. Right. Um, but... Total time in ring for Double Chain 1994 Rumble, 1 minute 19 seconds. Like we said, we're loving him. Uh, eliminated by Randy Savage. Uh, I gave him a 1 for presentation. I'm giving him all 10s for this glorious appearance. I <laughs> know, uh, 1 for presentation as well. I mean, he, he really feels like, I, I think in retrospect, it seems like a bigger deal because you know where he becomes. But at the time, um, you know, he's really on the same level as like a Bob Holly who's first time in this match you know his first pay-per-view and so he's kind of on that grouping now I, he was known like i knew him from the aftermags and shit like right you know uswa was well talked about and well covered so i knew about lawler and dundee and jarrett and the moon dogs and those guys that were all in the early 90s memphis area so he definitely came in with hype so it wasn't yeah. like a surprise uh, but I do remember him just kind of being like in that group of guys. Like I remember like me and my cousin, like I, I liked Sparky Plug, he liked Jared, but like they were on the same level. You know what I mean? It was like newcomers. So we each had to pick a newcomer that we were going to back, you know, kind of thing. Right. 
Who else was in that class? Quang? Quang. Drosy, I think, shows up a little bit past there, but he's part of that class. Adam Baum? Uh, Adam Baum was a little bit earlier. He's like, as you can hear on New Gen on Mission every other Tuesday, covering the New Generation era. He shows up, I think, it's more like May of 93. Right. So it depends what you want to classify as a class, but if you're kind of saying fall on, I would say Adam Baum is not part of that. Okay, so he's 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 a he's a grizzled vet by the time Double J struts into the promotion. Um, I'm at a one for uh, work. I just I didn't think he really did that much, but I thought he was really trying to work his character in, so I wanted to give him something. Yeah, he was giving it a go, and again, he got some shine. Um, in a solid opportunity, he just didn't really get a chance to make a dent, which I understand too, because this is the heel rumble, like we, we've talked about, and we'll talk about a lot more too to come. Uh, where it was very heel heavy for the bulk of the middle stretch. So he kind of comes in in a tough spot. Like they needed fodder and they couldn't just have another heel hanging around in the ring. Uh, could they have saved him maybe for later? Possible. But anyone who comes in this stretch, like it's, this rumble is, this rumble I find one of the hardest to rebook, honestly, outside of the end. It's, right. it, the story they tell is so crisp that it's like, Anything you do could mess with what works so well, you know? Like, you could maybe not have yeah. Greg Valentine in there for 20 minutes, but I think beyond that, it kind of is what it is. I wouldn't change too much about it. Yeah, maybe get Holly out of there sooner, too. <laughs> that's we're going to get to soon. <laughs> yeah, that's not even his most egregious, uh, sadly. Uh, yeah, no, um, and, and it's funny because you're right. It is the heel rumble, but again, like – when you look at who the heels are in this rumble, mm-hmm. like there's already a guy like Jarrett who's much better. Right. And it's, it's Michaels. Right. And then everybody else is like crush and bam, bam and diesel. Like mm-hmm. it, 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 as out of place as he looks beating up the undertaker, he looks out, he would look out of place, like dominating this rumble. Right. Like he'd have to be hanging it on in the corner, like road dog in. Yes. 2000. Um, I'm at a zero for effectiveness. I don't think he did anything of, of no same. All right. So that lands Jeff Jarrett, uh, 1994, uh, with a total score of four. As you know, we're ranking in three categories and, uh, this will be our 282nd one way rank. That's a hell of a lot. <laughs> so is he better than Godfather 1999? Probably not. What about Boris Zukov, 88? Mm, probably not. Warlord, 1990. Probably not. Scott Steiner, 2004. <laughs> probably. Oh, no, didn't yeah, he do, like, some good suplexes or something in that? He came Remember in, he, he suplexed a bunch of guys. Yeah, I put him below him then. Yeah, Rikishi, 2004. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, let's put Rikishi head. Owen Hart, 99. Probably below. Bart Gunn, 94. Above. Yeah, I think he did more than Bart Gunn. Bart Gunn got elbowed a bunch and then... Right. All right, so Jeff Jarrett out of the gate, you know. So, I don't know if someone considered this a strong start or not, <laughs> but Russell. he is... Uh, for us. He's landing at the 215th best Rumble appearance mm. of all time. And I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna surpass much more. Uh, although this next one I do like, and we'll talk about 1998. He comes yep. in at number 18, uh, but he first shows up at number nine when That's Owen right. Hart's coming out. 
And him and Jim Cornette beat the piss out of Owen, which we talked about when we did Owens. Then he enters later at 18. He's got some good heat. He gets in the ring, but nothing really happens because Owen shows up. And uh, Jarrett thinks he has him. He flips him out. But Owen skins the cat, and he throws Jarrett out, and that's it. So he's only in for a minute, and it's really just an angle. But yeah. I think it was a hot angle. And it's just that the feud kind of dies on the vine because Owen is transitioning to Triple H. But I think this could have been a cool little feud, and it kind of indirectly sows some seeds for a team that happens later in the year, I guess. Uh, it, it was kind of a waste, a waste too. But the story of the match was just elsewhere. But I thought the crowd was actually quite into this little battle. And this was the beginning of Jarrett's NWA stuff. And it made him seem to me like a bit of a bigger deal than he would have been otherwise. Because it's like he's striking he's striking hard in this new gimmick with this new look. And he's making a name for himself by attacking Owen. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think there's something to this gimmick that's interesting. I, I find I actually really like his music. I feel his music feels like destiny here. Like, like it feels like he's yes. finally like there's something about it. Like I've always like liked that theme. Yeah, yeah, it's different. Uh, it's it's all the great that, superstars, and then there's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's t- two months later. He's riding a horse again, mm-hmm. which I think is part of the problem. Um, yeah, so much strutting right away, and I love that. Like Ross. <laughs> He's like he is the only representative of the NWA, and then he like <laughs> he's like Luthez would be like pissed off, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just an angle. Owen kills him dead, um, he, and and he makes the same mistake he does with Savage the uh, in '94. He tosses Owen, but he doesn't follow through. Owen skins the cat and just runs him out of the ring. Yep. Uh, does it feel to you? That, that like he doesn't belong in the promotion at this point though. I don't get that feeling. It's just he's all, like everybody else is is in black and it's it's like uh, these weird. It's just this violent like whole promotion. Not not that he doesn't fit because I think there is something as like him being an outsider representing this tradition whatever. But he just feels so different than everybody else that's in there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I come back in 97, he did the scathing promo, and then, yeah, he's right back to that five months later. I don't know. I feel like he felt here. He felt like he fit in because they were kind of going with the the whole vibe the promotion was being rebuilt on was like the younger athletic guys that had been kind of ignored in WCW because of the NWO and he seemed like a guy that was still on the come up, but like he was still young here. So I, I thought he fit. I actually think the NWA gimmick fit well. Um, because it was counter to what they were doing, so it kind of made him as like a natural heel role. I just think the they just give up on it really quick and go back to the music star stuff. Yeah, I actually agree. stuck in that for a while, but. It's funny, eh? Like we not to go back to TNA again, but the, like the whole the whole beginning of that uh, that run of TNA is all very much like tradition versus sports entertainment, and this is kind of the prototype for that. It almost seems this NWA versus WWF at the time, right? Yeah, they just can it. I, th- I think because of what you're saying is that it felt old, like having a. Stable representing the NWA feels musty. 
So I get it. And Cornette's kind mm. of on his last legs as a manager, too, at this point. So, yeah, the whole thing probably just didn't hit as much as it could have. But I still think he fit. Hmm. Yeah, I, I look, I'm the more I watch of Double J, the more I like him. Uh, I'm at a one for presentation here. I went two just because it, it felt, again, with the NWA gimmick, the music, the attacking Owen. Like, it felt like he was presented as a as a threat and a player. Um, I'm at a one also for work rate. I went with a two there as well. I know he doesn't do much, but again, he attacks him in the aisle, which is a big strike. I counted that as part of it, which would, I don't want to lead to a few, but it felt like a, at least a match long angle that the crowd was really into. So I feel like it got, it got him good heat. And then I liked him thinking he had Owen out. Owen hangs on and eliminates him. So it's like instant payback. So I just, I thought it was nice that they told a story. You know what? I'm going to bump it up to a two for that too. Okay. Um, I will, I will not budge from the zero on effectiveness though. Uh, yeah, same here. Uh, no, actually I went with a one there. Again, I, I went with the same theory that he was effective in getting Owen over and building himself some heat. If he came into this not feeling he belonged there, at least got some heat on him to set up a potential run with Owen. Did they actually ever fight? I don't know. I don't. He goes right into the Triple H stuff, so I have no clue if they I, yeah, could they have fought a raw or something. Into. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't remember at all. Um, all right, well, that gives him a score of eight. So he's doubling his score from the last one with us. It's a major jump for Double J. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he better than Fatu, nineteen ninety four? Fatu, no, because Fatu makes the final four. What if, okay, how about, let's compare this. What about Owen Hart, 1998? So I would think they're pretty much the same. Right. Yeah. So who do we give more credit to? <sighs> Does Owen stay in a little bit longer in 98? Because he throws Jared out and then Triple H comes out, right? Yeah. I think I'd have Owen ahead because that ends up actually being a few, a mania match. Okay, so then would you put um, Jared ahead of Owen Hart 93? Because right now 98 and 93 are back-to-back. I think that would be cool. Put him in between? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fine. 93 Owen, he doesn't do much besides the nasty fall on the way out. That's right. It's hurled to the floor. All right, so, you know, already you you were saying he wasn't going to go up a lot. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend. Jeff Jarrett, 98, is now the 163rd best Rumble appearance of all time. <laughs> it's climbing. It's climbing. Uh, and, you know, with the a minute and nine seconds, so, again, very good for us. But, you know, this next one for him, you know, a little bit of a marathon for this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes in 99, and he's he comes in at number 27. Obviously, this is the biggest pop he's ever received in his life, right? Yeah, for sure. And he is now a tag team partner with Owen Hart. That's right. He was – are they champions here? I think they are, right? I don't know if they're the champions yet. I have to look back. I thought they won it in December, but it could be wrong. I know Bossman and Shamrock, they trade it back and forth, I think, a little bit. It could be right after this. Either way, they're a championship-level team. He's now changed again out of the – country gimmick he's not quite yet don't piss me off jeff jarrett he's just kind of heel worker jeff jarrett with owen hart 
Well, he is wearing the shirt that says don't piss me off, though. Okay, so I guess he had started that. But he wasn't like the woman abusing Jeff Jarrett. No. So he they won the tag team title on January 25th. All right, so right after this. Um, but he's definitely crew cut, uh, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, well, that happened after SummerSlam. That's right. We lost to Xbox. So. Happened during, during SummerSlam. Yes, yeah, during SummerSlam. And then Deborah shows up right after that. He dumps Southern Justice in Tennessee. What an upgrade. I what think an upgrade. Deborah's there by Survivor Series. And that's when it's starting to kind of come together for him. And then he teams with Owen. And that stays until Owen passes away. They're a team. And then that's when he finally starts getting into the, Woman beating, beating stuff. Up women. Yeah. Uh, so he has Deborah here. Yeah, that's why he gets the pop. <laughs> yeah, of course he goes right at Austin, uh, and that's the goal of this match because of the bounty. He gets doubled up on by DX. He goes back at Austin. He kind of works with Val, and then he kind of just ambles around looking for someone to mm-hmm. fight. Goes at Hunter. In comes Dilo Brown. Him and Jarrett get into it. Just a lot of strikes. Uh, him and Bossman head back to Austin. And then all those attacks on Austin catch up to him as Austin just throws him, uh, beats him down and Triple H grabs and throws him out. So not much here. He, I mean, no. he kept things moving. He brought the fight to Austin, which is the point of the match. But like we've talked about so many late entries into Rumbles, just he doesn't have much time to accomplish much. And the focus by this point of the match was so hotly on Austin. And if he was going to survive and Vince, what Vince was doing, it was just like too little too late for him to come in. Yeah, he had no hope in hell. Um, it, like, he goes after Austin. Is he allowed to fight Austin here? Uh, yeah, that's true. I don't know if that anger had come out yet. I know it was later <laughs> in 99. I just feel that, like, like, it's what you just said. There's just zero focus on the dude. Like, he does eat a Lufez press. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think that's revenge for shaming the NWA the year before? That Lufez, it definitely could like, be payback, yeah. It's channeling Steve Austin's body. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, marathon run, three minutes and 39 seconds for the guy. Um, again, no respect for Jeff Jarrett in the Royal Rumble, the company gives him. It, I feel like this is the most respect he got, but it's just, again, the late entrance thing. It's, it's funny you mentioned it because, like, you know, you mentioned earlier that 94 is, like, the, the hardest one to rebook. I feel like 99 is the easiest one to rebook. And it's like, right. like, put this guy earlier and give him a run. Yeah, let him go for 10 minutes and build some heat. There's plenty yeah. of opportunity in this rumble. Yeah, and then you have Deborah yeah. out there for 10 minutes? Like, All right, so I, went, I did go to on presentation, again, just because he feels like a, you know, more of a guy. Like he's going at it with Austin. I don't, I, don't, I don't hold the short run against him because he's at 27, and they already just had to so sharply define the match. See, I, I only went one, but it's not that I hold the short run against him. It's that as soon as he's in there, he immediately fades to the background. And again, I don't think that's really his fault. It's just kind of what the match is. But they weren't presenting anybody strong except for, like, Austin and McMahon in this thing. Right. So I'm trying to not base it on – I think he's a bigger star now than he was the last time we saw him in the Rumble. Probably ever, That you know. But that being said, how they present him in the Rumble for me is still at a one because of – he gets beat up by Austin immediately. He's only double teaming with other people, right? Like he's teaming with Val Venus and the boss man. Like he's really in that vein, and even they feel like bigger stars than him here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at a one for work. I thought he was fine. 
but no more, no less. Same. Zero for effectiveness. Same. Big five. <laughs> Big five. Uh, okay, not but bad. Not, so, not so much competition here. Is he better than? Let's start at the bottom. Is he better than Smash 1991? No, God, Smash is in there for a while, isn't he? 18 minutes. Yeah, I think he's better than that. What about B. Brian Blair from 1988? Sure. Billy Gunn, 2002? Billy Gunn takes that awesome choke slam. Yeah, below Billy. Oh, between Billy and Brian Blair. A lot of Bs. And Js. Jays. Aha. Bs and Js. Hi-ho. Mm. All right, so Jeff Jarrett, 1999, coming in. At the 202nd best Rumble appearance of all time. Look, Jeff, I wish we could rate you higher just based on the gift you gave us of this Rumble appearance stretch. Yeah. But. You're the best. Sadly, 20 year it takes 20 years for us to see Jeff Jarrett at the Royal Rumble again. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> 20, 20 years. It's a 20. long time. Year absence. Uh, and and was was anyone expecting this in 2019? Is no. And is that the longest gap? We should probably look back. I and mean, we have a lot listed here on the sheet. It's got to be one of the longest gaps between Rumble matches, right? If not the most, it has to be because Nash is only his is what 94 to 11, 96 to 11, right? So that's only 15 years. Yeah. Only 15 years. <laughs> there can't be many others. I guess, what's Piper? Well, it's 08. Uh, it's, it, it's under 18 because it's at 90. Right. It's at 92 also. So. Yeah. Snuka, same. Yeah. It would have to be someone that's in the, maybe Duggan. No, I guess he's in 08 or 092, right, in there? Yeah. It's going to be someone who didn't show up until the mid-2000s, at least. Jared may have it. I'm sure that someone someone will throw something out that'll find the right answer for us, which we appreciate. But Jared's going to be – if he's not number one, he's going to be top three, at least. Yeah, because 20 years is a long time. Like, the match is only uh, 32 years old. Well, not 34, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. We're going to have a 20-year gap. And they use him well here, too. He's a surprise entry to number two. It's great. Uh, great it's reaction, looking. too. Oh, yeah. Great big reaction. Pop. Big pop. And he, he comes out to cut off Elias. So it's, like, well done. And because lo- Elias is kind of a spirit animal. Uh, and I love that Elias goes, listen, I get interrupted <laughs> almost all the time. <laughs> yes. I love King marking out, too. Uh, yeah. I did not enjoy as much JBL and Cole kind of busting his balls. I thought I that was a bit much. That. Why do they do that? So stupid. Like, I mean, look, I know he looked know a he little stupid. silly. Yeah, I was going to say he looks. Because he's wearing all of his gimmicks. Like, he's right. he's in the suspenders, but he's wearing the, the uh, wife beater sunglasses. Yeah, and the hat. He's got the short the hat, but the short hair. Yeah. Well, and, and he's just not in shape to be wearing those suspenders. That's the problem. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but I love King just freaking out. It, that was great. Uh, and he makes Elias move. He does the strut. Uh, yeah, which is great. And then Graves and Cole, gets. Yeah, good. I do like that Cole is like, oh, we should get the roadie out here. Well, yeah, great. I think it's Graves said it. 
Oh, was it Graves? Okay. Yeah, it was Graves. Yeah, Graves gets the roadie call back in. Uh, Jarrett's talking to the fans. He does a shtick. Howdy, Elias. folks. <laughs> Good he old Double so J. He looks so happy to be back. Uh, Is that the first time ever people have chanted along with that catchphrase? That's why it should have been a face all this time. Look at it. It's natural. Yeah. yeah. Elias wants to do a duet. The crowd announcers are all in on it, but he attacks him before the match. Jared gets a couple of shots in, but then Elias smashes him with a guitar and tosses him out. So uh, this was a fun comedy spot. It was a good use of Double J. Uh, classic surprise. Even though the commentary was kind of stupid, they, they did show some respect in there. And this would lead to his Hall of Fame induction, I believe, is after this, right? Once you go in. Is it this one? Did it, do they not call him a Hall of Famer? So was he the year before? He was. Must be, yeah. It was 18 in New Orleans. Okay. My favorite thing the commentators say, though, is when they throw him out, they say it's the day the music died. <laughs> Which I love. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is, is it, isn't it crazy that, and I don't know if you feel this way, too, this is way more memorable than any other Rumble appearance by the guy. Oh, easily. I mean, he's in four rumbles for a total of seven and a half minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Three of them are under 130. (laughs) He's the best. He's my favorite guy that we've looked at. He was amazing. And somehow we talked to him about it for a half hour. Uh, Presentation, I gave a one. It could have been maybe higher if the other idiot commentators didn't make him a joke, but he's still got a big pop. Graves and King talked about him well. And Elias showed some respect. What What is that thing with the commentators shitting on legends? <sighs> well, yeah, they did it for Fink. Remember, that was a brutal one. Oh, yeah. Um, was it Wendy Richter or someone? Didn't they do it for another yeah. one, too? Yeah. It was Wendy Richter and Cindy Lauper. Yes. Like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Like, why are we making fun of people that are like, mm. like especially someone like Cindy Lauper? They're old and like they... They don't have to be there. They're coming there, and it's fun, and, and you're making us feel stupid for liking it. Right. Right. Yeah. Ugh, worst. That's the worst. One of the worst things they do. Um, I'm at a two for work, though. This is his best work in the Rumble for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gave him a two as well. It was it was really well done. And I threw a one for effectiveness because, in the end, this might be the thing I think about the most when I think about this Rumble. All right. I'll throw a one in there. I'll bump him. Look at you. Look at you. It, like, do you remember anything else about this Rumble? Like, who won? Uh, Rollins? You have to think about it, though, right? <laughs> yeah. As long as I know Rollins. he wins at Mania, because we were there, I remember it. That's right. That's right. But, yeah, like, this is such a weird nothing Rumble. Because I, I remember during this time, I remember 2018 Rumble, and we thought, oh, okay, they know how to do the Rumble again. Right. You know? And then this one hit, and it was like, uh, and then 2020 was also great. Yes. And so I was like, oh, this one felt like the anomalous one. Um, okay, so that gives, my God, Jeff Jarrett, 2019, a big score of eight. That's going to tie his best uh, Rumble appearance. <laughs> Where the hell is he? There. Okay, is it, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb. I'm going to say it's better than Jeff Jarrett, 1998. Yeah. Was it better than Owen Hart, 98? Yeah. Tornado 91. You like that one, right? 
Yeah, he's pretty good in that. I think he really helps steer that match for a while. All right, let's leave him there then. So that puts Jeff Jarrett in his highest Royal Rumble appearance as the 162nd right. Royal Rumble appearance of all time. Uh, way to go, Jeff. You, you have been an absolute joy mm. to deal with. They today. could only all be uh, Jeff Jarrett. I know, right? Now, total time, 7 minutes, 23 seconds for mm. four Rumbles. Never eliminated a soul. Gorgeous. I can't believe he never eliminated anybody. Um, you, you know who I will never eliminate is uh, Ryan Gray and company. Hmm, have yeah. you heard about the new clotheslines and headlines? Uh, I have, actually. Tons of fun. Um, you know, Mike Rossi, Mike Eller, uh, Rocco Martone, the dulcet, uh, calming voice of Rocco mm-hmm. Martone, um, breaking down modern WWE uh, I, I, they hit their first show. I think by the time this comes out, it'll still be on their first show, the only one that's out. Uh, but check it out, cause it's totally worth your time. Like, I, I don't even like modern WWE, and I had a blast listening to it. it I, it's really well done. Uh, and I thought they really captured the spirits of the original poses and headlines with the multiple segments, the guests rotating in and out, hitting on their strengths, going across. Uh, different aspects of Doty and uh, they also some indie stuff as well on there. And that'll be every other Friday, uh, alternating with our AEW podcast. You know what that means with Jordan and Reesh. So every Friday here on North South, and that'll be Modern Wrestling Day, either clotheslines and headlines, which will mainly focus on Doty with some other indie stuff. And then, uh, you know what that means, which is all AEW. So uh, that'll be our, our Friday treat to you. Every, every Friday will be some current wrestling. And what I like about both those shows is all the hosts are fans of the shows they're talking about. Correct. Like it's it's not a negative show like like some of like I can be like that's, maybe that's why I like it. Like I, I I love the positive spin that these guys put on it. And like when I was listening to Clothesline and Sidelines, it almost made me want to watch the product. Well, so maybe the next episode will get you over the hump. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Hump Day is also uh, the Jenny Position Day here on the North-South Connection Podcast Network. It is. She has a show every Wednesday from her uh, bucket of fun, whether it's, if you heard about Pluto, uh, The Journey Through Infinity, which is our Marvel podcast, uh, also has Freak Out Drive-In, which is her live watch horror movie podcast, and uh, Talk and Pop made its return recently. They had a, a fun interview with Matt Souza. So every Wednesday is a different episode of uh, one of Jenny's batch of shows, so check that out. Yeah, Jenny's the best, so support her, please, because she's killing it each and every time out there. And she joins me and Sousa on Extreme Through a Dance every other Thursday, going through the history of ECW. We are into early 1997. We are on the fast track to the first ever pay-per-view for ECW, Barely Legal. So we're excited about that. We started in February 94, so we're actually... Uh, now we've gotten three full years in of calendar years for ECW. We're entering our fourth as we turn through that. And that rotates with the show we've been talking about throughout the night, Wrestling Warzone. Myself and Chad Campbell go through the Monday Night Wars. We review Raw, Nitro, pay-per-views, costume champions. And we are in uh, the fall of 1996. So we recently had talked about the fallout for Mind Games with the infamous Jim Ross promo. And we're heading toward a really well-built Halloween Havoc and Buried Alive for Dodie F-Side. We're uh, kind of coming up on those two next. Nice. 
Nice. Yeah, I particularly enjoyed uh, listening to uh, my, the Mind Game show, mm-hmm. which seems horribly built but delivered in spades, it seems, when it came to the actual show. Yes. Yeah, always delivering in spades. Also, uh, Wrestling War. Wrestling a. I can never remember if it's above or against replacement. Wrestling above replacement. Above! Ah, in the moment. Uh, you and Marcus killing it, uh, breaking down WWE, WWF seasons. You guys mm-hmm. are well into NXT, uh, 2018, 19 now. And, uh, this has been a fun one because, uh, it seems to be stretching Marcus's patience. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, it was, I knew it was going to be an interesting, uh, season from the start because I'm not an NXT truther. I'm kind of in the middle. But he's pretty down on the bulk of it. Right. So, at least in that time period. So it's interesting. I'm trying to balance it a little bit. And he, he does a good job of being, uh, objective. But you can hear his inherent biases against some of the stuff coming through it. Can so it's an interesting season. I think others may have, it may have even finished even higher. If others, if I was doing the show with like you, maybe, or like Tim or Jenny or someone that's really, NXT heavy, Logan, right? Um, it may have really crushed everything else. As is, you know, these shows are still going to finish high, but not, potentially not like, these won't be like the top six shows on the list or anything like that, you know? And there's something interesting in that because like, if you're looking at those shows in terms of like, just match ratings, they, mm-hmm. they finish super high, right? Right. But like, I don't know about you, but like, they're not shows like, like, 2018, uh, not all of them anyway, but a lot of them I never want to see again. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing. It's like, ah, oh, do I want to sit through Gargano and Ciampa again? Like, and it's insane because the matches are almost right. unilaterally great, but it's like, okay. I, get a well, devote I, I think that's where they get hurt. So, yeah, where rewatchability and stuff like that, like, comes into play for sure with some yeah. of these. And I, I think that's where we've talked about before, especially with stuff like GWE where we're ranking – wrestlers and matches it comes down to that a lot too yeah so yes a year like 1819 may have a lot of quality matches but i'd rather maybe watch something from 93 and 94 right like it's, it's the endless conversation right. we've had across all these different projects of course of course and, and i mean the biggest project going on right now is the uh revisiting of the gwwe the 100 greatest wrestlers in wwf wwe history we're breaking down our lists on no holds barred uh we're going that's every other saturday on north south so you and i have been breaking down our lists throughout the year and we've also been ranking all the uh world title changes in the wwf history it's every saturday every other saturday Every other Saturday. And finally, on Tuesdays, uh, be sure to check out New Gen on a Mission. Uh, mm-hmm. JP and um, Tim Lomka are killing it. They're doing great every each and every week. And that runs in tandem with the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast. Uh, it's Is it back from a hiatus? Uh, yeah, by the time this drops, it is. Exactly. So it's great to have it back. We're always happy to have that Raging Cajun back. And... Uh, Never disappointing each and every Tuesday on North South. Just like all our content. Yeah. Now entering the Royal Rumble.
I always love that noise. I did a um, I did a sketch comedy show when I was twenty or so, and um, one of the sketches was um, I played this clown uh, that that did o- that's the only sound he made. But um, a bunch of friends like the sketch was that a bunch of friends brought him in for their friend's bachelor party. Like the guy's expecting a stripper, and this fucking clown shows up. And mm. anyway, I, I thought like it was it. a solid concept. I like it. The I feel like they liked that noise so much they had Mick Foley do it in the hospital with Vince. Oh, it's so loud, and it's right in his face. Yes, it's like that same noise on the Doink theme. Yes, is is that right before he says "Damn it, leave"? Yeah, I think so. It's like the last <laughs> thing. I, I think it's the last thing Foley gets in before it ends. It's so his his chain is like please 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 damn it Lee <laughs> such an abrupt change. Dun, dun, dun. Isn't it a shame that um, we don't get Evil Doink in the Rumble ever? Yeah, it sucks because he comes in. He doesn't really get active until right after the nine three Rumble. I think is when he, I think he attacks Crush like right before it. Because he knocks Crush out of the match. Why but, are we yeah. taking guys out of that match? I know. So he's not in that one, and then by the time we get here, he's already a face. Yeah. In 1994, when he comes uh, dancing out, he's already got Dink with him, too, by yeah. this point. He's out at 14. They actually get a pretty big pop. They get some tricks right away. They, they come in there against Diesel and Crush, so it's not the easiest spot. <laughs> uh, but they're poking eyes, spraying water. Uh, it's a big, big rumble for blinding people with liquids between Port Quang and Rick Steiner and now this. Yeah. Uh, but he's immediately in trouble. The big men beat the shit out of him. And then in one of my favorite rumble moments, uh, they, they beat the piss out of him. And out comes Bam Bam Bigelow, who's been feuding with Doink since the fall. And they just open the ropes for Bam Bam. Yeah. And let him come in and pick Doink up and just chuck him hard to the floor in a, in a great bump. I love and it. again, nothing doing. He does get the pop, the tricks, and then the classic bump, but he just never stood a chance. This let is me, right when the heel reign of terror of this match was starting. Oh, yeah, he has no chance. Let me just say, uh, that pop he gets when he he comes out, way too loud. Uh, shame on you, Rhode Island. You, so that, you, Providence, for that pay-per-view, that crowd is, like, through the roof. You, you're part of the problem here, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do love when he first comes in that, like, he just kind of stands back and watches the two heels fight. Yes. Until they realize that, like, wait a minute, this guy's just laughing at us, and then it's just over for him. <laughs> uh, I love that, like, it, 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 like, pure hatred for him causes an al- alliance of heels. Like, these guys will turn on each other right away, but they all hate him so much uh, that they just stop what they're doing, kick the shit out of him, and we're not even mad when they throw his ass out. But it's like, oh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So it happens when you're a clown and they were a bunch of monster heels. And it's stupid, but this kind of feels like the perfect use for him in this thing. He comes in, he does his bullshit, and then just gets destroyed. Yep. Uh, all right. Minute 48 seconds, which is longer than most Jeff Jarrett appearances. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I gave him a one for presentation. I mean, they presented him exactly as he was. Yeah, a clown. <laughs> I'm at a one for work. Me too. That bump was great. Fucking disgusting. It must have hurt. <laughs> yeah, he landed hard. He splatted. And I'm at a one for effectiveness. Like, I think this is a super memorable part of this match. 
All right, I'll, I'll bump it up. Bump You're going to bump it? Yeah, he was. It was good. I mean, the, the spraying of the eyes. And, and you get the nice little touch of him and Crush in there, too, which is cool. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. throw back to their feud. So, And then just him laying there as Bam Bam comes in and just mauls him. It's great. <laughs> and the way they open the ropes. It's a, it's a really great little moment. Yes. Uh, I wish I wish Crush would have just stalked what he was doing and fucking kicked the shit out of him. Yes. Like from all the beatings he took in his hands. Did he ever get revenge on Doink? No, because Doink cost him a King of the Ring. And then it's like right after that, pretty much. I think in July when Yoko squashes him. And, right. and then he comes back at his heel. So no, I don't think I don't think they really ever have a blow off. You know what in the best? Is if Crush distracted him and then another Crush came from out under the ring. <laughs> Brian Lee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who else? Who else? All right. That gives him a six higher than I would have thought. Is he better than Carlos Colon, 1995? Yes. <laughs> what about Sioni, 95? Uh, yeah, probably. Sioni eliminated three guys, but I'm happy putting it. Billy Gunn, 2004. Um... I don't know. Billy Gunn gets speared by Goldberg and beaten up and thrown out. No, then. He's better than him. Tugboat 91. Put him ahead of Tugboat. Yes. Do you think he goes above the Jim Duggan uh, surprise appearances? Mm, Probably not. All right, that's a fine place for him to. All right, so Doink 1994. 193rd best Rumble appearance of all time. Okay. So probably not staying in the top uh, 200 for too long, but he'll enjoy it while he's there. 1995. (sighs) Comes in at number eight. This parade of, uh, they're all clowns really in this Rumble. He's with fucking Dink again. And this one, this entrance is memorable too because it's got that little curve to their entrance. Oh yeah! And I can always picture his stupid face as they come around the bend with Dink dancing. Yeah, for this rumble for some reason. Neither one of them are welcome. No. Well, the crowd's happy though. They just they just want anybody in there that's yeah, not a loser. Uh, he does go right at Sione. He's choking and slugging a mean? lot of time with Sione. Uh, eventually, goes over to Drosy and Quang. Why one does the, Rick Martell stop him from eliminating one of the blues? I don't know. Maybe they made Martell knew they needed some bodies in there. No, no, we needed <laughs> to make the match better. Uh, again, yeah, he fights with one of the blues. He's just punching other scrubs. So, like, this is pretty much the match. Uh, I thought the, the battle of Martell was kind of cool. It was more of a footnote than anything. Rick Martell versus Doink. Uh, we missed a chunk of his entrance because the Brett and Owen brawl is happening. Yep. The, uh, and again, his exit is the best part of his appearance. Oh. Quang gets the great kick, uh, kicks him off the apron to the floor. Right we talked the, about Savio. Uh, right in the he, fucking face. Like, yeah, right in the face. That looked great. Uh, but just, again, another body in a throwaway rumble. Nothing good accomplished or interesting uh, after the pop. He's he's nearing his expiration very quickly. He's past it. Yeah. Come on. Hey, look, he did less in four minutes in this one, than, in almost five minutes in this one, than he did in one minute the one before. That's true. Yeah, uh, one for presentation, zero's the rest of the way for me. Um, yeah, same. Okay, that gives him two. Okay, let's start at the bottom of these twos. Uh, okay, number one, he's he's better than, I'm going to say it, he's better than Tenru 1993. Okay. 
Is he as good as Tatanka 1996? He's better than that. Okay. Snuka 91. Yeah, probably. 95. I don't know. What do you think? It's a better, let's, let's bump him up for the elimination. Okay. Snuka 92. Yeah. AYD 88. No. Okay. There we go. So Doink's last appearance is the 257th best Rumble appearance of all time. Now, are you at all surprised that this is not a guy they've dragged back like to do another appearance at any point? Well, they've done stuff with him. No, I mean in the Rumble. Specifically. Yeah, I guess so. I'm surprised. I, I think they see him more as a comedy guy, though. So that we usually when they bring him out, it's for like goofy shit. Right. Slammy awards or specials, stuff like that. Yeah, and the, the fans can chant, kill the clown at him. Uh, two rumbles, total of six minutes, 38 seconds. So almost the same amount of time as Jarrett in four rumbles. And uh, again, like Jarrett, zero eliminations. Correct. Just uh, a useless husk, if you will. Mm-hmm. But you know who's not a useless husk? Now entering the Royal Rumble. Bam! Bam! Sad. This is the only time we're going to talk about old Bam Bam. Bam, Bam. He, he probably would have been a very useful addition to the 1988 Royal Rumble. Right. He's another guy you think would be in multiple because he's around for so long. But 93, he shows up right before it and they get in the singles match. And then 95, he's in the tag title thing. Yeah. And 88, like you said, he's just not in it. Idiot's yeah. the big one he probably could have been in. But, I mean, he could have been in all of them, but he's not. Uh, 93 probably could have used him in the match instead of the boss man thing. Yeah. 95 also. Yeah, but that's a big angle. Yeah, I guess they could, have done, they could have done the double duty thing with them, but. Or he could have done the angle in the Rumble. I guess. <laughs> I don't mind something. that one as much. I don't the, mind that one as much. I don't mind. I, I see the logic in that one a lot more. It's just that Rumble is so starved for people. And then I think he was announced for 96. Really? He's still there? Yeah. Well, he's there at Survivor Series. He loses to Goldust. Yeah. And then he kind of goes away. But I'm pretty sure they were planning to bring him back for the Rumble and then didn't. And then he shows up in ECW in, spat- in spattering to 96 before he joins officially, I think, in 97. So. Yeah, and then never goes back to WWF, sadly. No, never. He's a guy that never never returned. Goes to WCW, and then he's pretty much done. Yeah. And then he fucking dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he opened uh, a hamburger stand, too. Oh, good. Well, good for him. But his spirit lives on forever in the town of Asbury. So he comes in in 1994 at 15. Graciously greeted. Yes, he is. Uh, with Luna. And yep. he comes right to this heel Haas paradise. With Crush, with Diesel, where they hold open the ropes. He comes in, he destroys Doink, like we just talked about a bunch. 
uh, just drags him to his feet and presses him to the floor. Yeah. Which looked great. But then Crush and Diesel ambush him. The second. The second Doink is gone. They're on yes. him, pounding him in the back. Definitely a good strategy by them. But that team falls apart, too. And we get a cool little big man, three-way Haas throwdown. They're all tossing fists. Uh, and Bigelow and Crush actually work, you know, end up battling in the corner for a bit. Yeah. I love, too, that, like, at one point they show, like, kind of a screen in screen, and we see Doink being helped out by officials. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, like, he's got his arm around him. He can barely walk. Perfect. Mabel comes in. He avalanches Bigelow. It's uh, crazy how a- big Mabel is. Like, I know we're going to talk yes. about Mabel next episode, but, like, when you see him, like, so much bigger than Bam Bam, mm-hmm. it's like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, he's a big motherfucker. Uh, Crush shoots Bigelow hard into Mabel in the corner, which is a fun collision. And then he's part of a group that almost throws Crush out. Uh, and then as Sean Bates and Diesel, Bigelow and Mabel kind of lead the way to throw Diesel out. So that's a big elimination. And he's a big driving force in that. And then he lights up Sean right after it. Yeah, and that's a really cool little segment because mm-hmm. Sean's so good at selling his offense. Um, there's a weird little segment, too, where Sparky Plug saves him from Crush. And yeah. then Bam Bam has zero respect for him, though, and just clubs plug to <laughs> yes. the mat. Like, does not care. Uh, and, and then it, it kind of goes into, like, um, crushing Bam Bam against Mabel, which I don't expect the team to last very long. And it doesn't. Right. Uh, and almost right away, he's getting double teamed by men on a mission. Yeah, when Mo comes out. Yeah. And then he eats that sick Mabel leg drop. Yes, and you can tell he's getting a little gassed here, too. Yeah. Uh, he has a fun little battle with Hammer in the corner. Hammer's laying some chops in. Uh, then he assaults Mo. Mabel saves. We get back to that. He keeps avoiding near death. Uh, dodges a Mabel avalanche. I thought he was really aggressive here, but the one thing he didn't do right away is go with Tatanka, who fought. Yeah. They fought earlier in the night. Tatanka beat him. They've been rivals for a while now. He does eventually find him and lay in some lumber, but Luger distracts him and just walks away from Tatanka. Yeah. So that was weird. Well, you know, he's very busy uh, selling offense from fucking Mo. Right. Of course. Like he's he's selling from Mo. Like. He must have really respected the hell out of Mo, and I don't know why. You gotta get Mo over. Maybe so you gotta get Mo over. All right. Big goal. And then throughout all that, too, um, he's part of the gang also that eliminates Mabel. Yes. He's not as much, uh, involved in it as he was with, uh, Diesel, but right. he is, um, he is part of the Mabel thing. And then this, it was right around this time after he, um, after he helped throw out Mabel that I think he kind of took a 30 second break in the corner. Mm-hmm. And I really, I was like, oh, okay, he's earned this break. Cause up to oh, this for sure. Point, yeah, and Vince even says, like, the match is taking a toll on Bigelow. And it shows, like, just how much he's been involved in everything. Yeah, like, yeah, he. I have no problem with his rest because he's in there a long time and he's constantly busy. And mm-hmm. seriously, his rest is, like, 15, 20 seconds, and then right. he's punching Tatanka in the face and then eating, like, a massive Lex Luger clothesline. And then, like, again, he takes another break, and as I'm typing, I don't mind that he's taking a break. He's, like, already beating up Sparky Plug. Right, so, like right back at Tatanka. Yeah, and he gets Tatanka up on his shoulders, like he might be able to toss him. And I love that, like, they, they do this kind of close-up shot on him when he's got Tatanka up on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And he's, got a, he's really doing well um, selling the effort and urgency trying to get Tatanka out. Yes. Like, great facials from him there. Like, he's, he, he's, he's not just selling with his body, he's selling with his face, too. And, and that's, that's, not everybody does that. That's a really nice touch. He ends up back with Brett. They reunite their little rivalry. 
Uh, a great spot where he's laying into the ropes as Brett just pummels him, and he slowly crumples. Like, he's getting beaten by a bat. <laughs> this is awesome yeah. selling. Uh, <laughs> and he's almost at a half hour at this point. He's still coming at Tatanka, trying to throw guys out. It's been a super strong showing for him. Yeah. Uh, he's wilting a little bit toward the end as the ring fills up. Works with Fatu and Tatanka, but it backfires. Fatu what? picks him. Why can't he and Tatanka get Mo out working together? I know. I Mo don't understand. Just, like, invincible in this rumble. Uh, there's also this great spot where, like, he gets kind of tangled up with Brett, and, like, he's kind of, like, facing the ropes, and Brett just fucking pummels the shit out of his head from behind. It's so violent. Like, <laughs> might be the most violent thing I've ever seen Bret Hart do. Well, rivals. Yeah. He also gets credit for being one of the guys who helps toss out Crush, so he's really, like, involved in a lot of these, um... Big man tossing group out, things. Yeah. Now, but here's what I didn't like. Like, they keep, Vince keeps talking about, like, who the Iron Men are, mm-hmm. and they're constantly putting over Crush and Shawn Michaels. But they never bring him up. Well, DiBiase does. DiBiase praises him on yeah. and off for hanging in this long. Especially because he's still bringing the fight. Like, at the Taka, Janetti, uh, and then finally throws out the Taka. Revenge for earlier in the night. And he's in the final seven, and then Bigelow shoots Luger to the corner. Yeah, charges. He finds the energy to do a somersault over the top to the apron where Luger knocks him out. So, again, he fi- he digs in deep enough to even make his exit memorable. Yeah. Um, I I remember as I was watching this time, I was like, fuck, you. I really hope he lasts longer than Tenru. Mm-hmm. But he does not, sadly. Mm-hmm. He does not. But when he goes out, and this is another thing that kind of irked me a little bit. Yeah. When he goes out, the announcers don't make mention of him going 30 minutes. Right. And that's kind of a weird omission at this point because right. he is the Iron Man of this match. Yes. Like, and he's kind of a sneaky Iron Man because, like, you, you wouldn't think of him. I, I think if you, if you, without someone knowing, if you quiz someone who's the Iron Man of this match, they'd probably say Shawn Michaels. Uh, like, yeah. Right? Just because Michaels is just, like, so right. talked up on commentary throughout. But he's got the longest time in there. And I think this is a really impressive, um, performance from him i think it's a great one uh he was dominant at times he was a major presence all through the back half of the match he got to throw out with rivals he played a role in all the big eliminations out there he looked like a star he never slowed down no, no real lazy moments nope goes over 30 minutes commentary did talk about a little bit and I, I think part of it too is diesel overshadows a lot of this match yeah um it's just a tough one because all of the big performances are just like big heels. So they're all the same guy. Bigelow, Diesel, Crush, Sean, like all these guys yeah. were the, the stars of the match. Well, just Sean shows, Sean ends up looking a little better because he's different. Correct. Like in terms of what he can do in the match. But yes, like, I mean, Bamham is just as valuable to this match as any of them. Correct. And it's just him and Crush and Diesel all kind of similar and they all have standout nights. So yeah, they kind of blend. It's a good rumble. It's, it, it was fun rewatching this one, uh, for sure. Yeah, because watching him, we got to watch almost all of it. <laughs> yeah, correct, yes. Yeah. Um, so I went four for presentation, and I was teetering towards five, but I just couldn't get past how, like, he always kind of got omitted and lost in the shuffle for the announcers. Diviasi did pump him up a bit, but, like, why aren't we talking about how long he's been in there? Why aren't we talking about how he went 30 minutes, like... And I think, too, I mean, this might play into effectiveness also. He eliminates five guys, but only two of them are on his own. 
And I think that might kind of sway me a little bit as well. I went five. Uh, I, I thought he was presented as a dominant badass, got revenge on Doink, revenge on Tatanka, helped take driving force on Mabel, Diesel, Crush, makes the final seven. I would, yeah, I, I think this was like a big night for him. He was a centerpiece star of this. And as good as Crush was, I think he overshadows Crush. Like, I think outside of the Diesel push, he's he was the workhorse of this match. That's the other thing, too. He wasn't just, like, tossing punches. He was working his ass off. Right. And he's rewarded for it. So I, I thought this was a really strong night for him. Maybe, it might have been, honestly, one of, like, the strongest nights of his DODF career, as far as presentation goes. Yeah, I'd buy that. Um, all right, I'm at a four for work, constantly good, uh, you know, uh, always busy, and the, his big spots are super memorable. Same. Including the elimination. Uh, when you were talking, I bumped up his um, effectiveness score for me for f- to five. Um, I was at four, went up to five, because when I started thinking about it, like, yeah, he was actually extremely effective in, like, carrying a big chunk of the match, so. Uh, yeah, I went four there. No. All right. Well, wow. That lands Bam Bam Bigelow, 1994, at 26 points. Big night for the Big Bam. night. All right. Let's start him at the bottom of the 26s. <laughs> so just to be sure, because some of the top ones. Undertaker 2017, higher or lower? Probably lower. Okay. He's the last of the 26s. What do you think? I think higher than Undertaker 26. Okay. Let's go with that then. But I think that's where he stops because the next one up is Backlund 93. All right. Put him below Backlund. Okay. So Bam Bam Bigelow in his one and only Rumble appearance, lasting 30 minutes and 12 seconds, eliminating five men, uh, including some big heavy hitters, mm-hmm. is going to land as the 41st best all Rumble right. appearance of all time. That's which good. is awesome. Yeah, that's super strong. I mean, when you think of 40 uh, – 41 um, out of 288. Mm-hmm. That's really damn good. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's, uh, that's going to wrap Bam Bam for this evening. Shall we count down our top 10 best Rumble appearances? Let's do it. Number 10 from the match we just talked about, Bret Hart, 1994. Number 9, The Ultimate Warrior, 1990. Number 8, Hulk Hogan, 1990. Number seven, Shawn Michaels, 1996. Number six, The Undertaker, 2002. Number five, Shawn Michaels, 2007. Number four, from this world. Wow, 94 is represented well. Uh, Big Daddy Cool Diesel, uh, 94. 94 is, a, is the sneaky animal you never hear of. And That's it's great. because everyone immediately thinks of the Undertaker thing and then the tie. If Brett just wins that match, I think it's well, way more well-regarded. But it's a great rumble. And it's got a ton of – it's one of the best rumbles as far as multiple individual strong performances. Yeah, it's super well booked. And I, I'm, I'll defend the tie. The tie's interesting and different. I don't, I don't right. have a problem with the tie. I think if there is a flaw with the 94 rumble, it's that there's a few too many times where the ring's a bit too full. Right. But, but I, I, I think, feel like there's not as many rumbles that have such strong nights where you can pick out like seven or eight guys that all shown. Yeah, yeah, it's just like there's yeah, – I, I agree 100%. It's just you could get rid of Holly sooner. There's a few guys that just could go. Yeah, and hammer for sure. That's it. And you'd be able to like – you'd be able to highlight these guys even more because these aren't even guys that our big guys throw out, right? But think of all the guys that look strong in this one. Sean, Brett, 
uh, Crush, Bigelow, Diesel, Luger, Luger, Mabel. I thought was really good in this match yeah. too. Mo, Mo apparently. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, but I mean that's like six guys right there. That's off the top of her head of that you think of with this match. So it's. I mean, I feel like you don't usually get that many where you come out of a match and go, oh, wow, like six or seven guys were were booked really well in the match. A fifth of the field. A fifth of the field looks good. That's rare. All right, number three, Hulk Hogan, 1989. Number two, Shawn Michaels, 2010. And our greatest Royal performance ever with a perfect score of 30, the Nature Boy Ric Flair from 1992. And just to compare for you, he I'm sorry, perfect score of 60. Yeah. Uh, all of the guys behind him pretty much. Like two to eight. Two, two to eight, eight are all at 42. So they're all tied. Um but that's a big gap. He's got almost a 20-point lead on second place. Yeah. Insane. Um, and then, yeah, and then it's funny because the top 10, like, number 10 is at 41 points. Right. Yeah. There's some. There's probably a couple of other perfect appearances. Do you think there's another perfect one? <sighs> Maybe. Think of one. Maybe. Yeah. And then we do our top 10. Yeah, top 10 rumblers. So to do this, it's an average. It's an average score, uh, a percentage based on, you know, uh, I won't even bore you with it. Uh, but uh, just so we're at, the only one guy, you have to be in three rumbles to qualify for this. And Jeff Jarrett qualified, and he's currently sitting out of 45 guys who have qualified at 34th place. Okay, not terrible considering how little he's in. And with, well, here, look at this. So one ahead of him is Billy Gunn, who was in 40 minutes and 58 seconds. And one below him is Tatanka, who is in 55 minutes and 59 oh seconds. And Jared's sitting there at seven minutes. <laughs> All right, our top ten guys. No change, but it's good to review. Number ten, Mr. Perfect. Number nine, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Great, Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Number seven, Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Number six, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Number five, Macho Man, Randy Savage. Number four, Brett the Hitman Hart. Number three, The Undertaker. Number two, The Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels. And our number one wearable performer of all time is still the immortal Hulk Hogan. Woo, holding on. Uh, yeah, we're, this, this is probably not going to be a lot of change with this one for a little while. Yeah, that I would say is probably the truth. Yeah, I'd say our next two episodes are going to be one-parters each, and uh, neither one of those guys is going to crack uh, <laughs> yes. this, this, uh, this top. All right, well, we'll be back in two weeks' time with our next installment of the show. Be sure to check out everything we have to offer at the North-South Connection. Tons of great content coming at you every single day as we outline throughout this show. Uh, that's it. Keep on rumbling, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks.